Praise God. We have so much to be thankful for whenever we think of what God has done for us in Christ. And let's look now at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 as we go back to uh, this letter that we've been looking at for the last couple of months um, prior to the uh, Palm Sunday and, and, uh, and Easter Sunday um, services. I want to go back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 as we um, glean from the experience of a first century church and their relationship with the Apostle Paul and see our own relationship uh, with God through his written word as we're encouraged just as they were, as we face some of the same difficulties, some of the same challenges that they faced in first uh, century um, the Roman Empire. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Silas and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so because your faith is growing more and more, and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will, not, he will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you, because you believed our testimony to you. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you, that our God may count you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. What a, what a great statement of the faith of that church in Thessalonica and hopefully a statement that can be made of this church right here in Midway, Georgia. Now, Midway is not a real town, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. This, this place right now. May these things be as true for us as they were for them. And they are if we believe. That's the thing. If we believe. The thing that set the Thessalonians, the believers in Thessalonica, in Thessalonica, apart from those who were persecuting them and who were going to be judged, was their belief, their faith in Jesus Christ. 
That was it. And the Apostle Paul now, as he, as he, as he wraps up this chapter, after he went through that, that great statement of the justice of God, and how God does what is right, and his judgments are right every time, all the time, that includes his, his judgment on us. And remember, as we, as we sang just a, just a few minutes ago, the judgment that we deserve for our sins on all of us who believe in Jesus, that judgment all went on Jesus Christ. Every bit of it. It was put on him. He took upon himself the judgment that we deserve because the wages of sin is death. Every one of us sinned more than once. But even if it had only been once, the wages of sin is death. And Jesus took our death. He received our wages for our sin when he died on that cross. Those who don't believe, on the other hand, will face this judgment that's described by the Apostle Paul as he tells the Thessalonians, the the believing Thessalonians, what's going to happen to those who are persecuting them. And not only to those who are persecuting them, even to those who are somewhat neutral. They may not have been, they might have been, not have been persecuting the church, but they still weren't believers. They still weren't obeying the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They did not know God. And as a result, they were going to take upon themselves the wages of their sin in judgment. And those things were, are right for believers and unbelievers. It's all based on the judgment of God. As the Apostle Paul shares these things and also shares the glory that's going to be given to every believer when he returns because of our faith, because we're trusting in him, we're believing that everything that he's promised in his word is going to be given to us because we believe in Jesus. Our sins. Did you, did you, read, did you see the confidence of the psalmist in Psalm 32, as Mark was reading that, the confidence of the forgiveness of his sins, he was positive of that because he believed. And he knew, just like Abraham in, in Genesis chapter 15, he knew that it was by believing in God that he, that, that he would be counted righteous. Only because of that. Not because of any good things that he did, but because he believed. Just like Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 29. He said, this is the work of God, to believe in his son that he sent. That's the work that we do that, that brings us favor with God. Believing in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when the Apostle Paul, as he encourages the Thessalonians at the end of this chapter by saying, I constantly, and not just Paul, but his companions as well, we constantly remember you in our prayers. Paul loved these people. He risked his life to bring the gospel to them. And they received the gospel. They received the truth of God's word. They received the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. And even though he had to leave town because, he, because the persecution was so strong, even though he had to leave, he constantly remembered them in his prayer. And so we see his great concern for them. And look what he prayed for them. We're just going to look at the first part of this this morning. With this in mind, verse 11, we constantly pray for you 
that our God may count you worthy of his calling. That our God may count you worthy of his calling. And do you remember, he's already explained it earlier in the chapter. Do you remember how we're made worthy of his calling? By believing. By believing that what God says is true and that what Jesus Christ, the Son of God, did for us, he did for us. Believing that. Believing in him. Not, he, he's not charging them here with a, with a statement that you guys got to shape up now or you're not going to make it. That's not what he's saying. That's never the message of the gospel. We can never shape up enough to make it. The Apostle Paul um, shares his testimony in Philippians chapter 3. Turn with me to that passage just for, for a moment. Philippians chapter 3. Uh, a brief testimony of the Apostle Paul. And he, and he makes a, a great statement about this uh, in that passage. It's just a couple of, uh, just a couple of letters back from, or toward the front from where we are now. Philippians chapter 3. As he shares his testimony. You know, the Apostle Paul wasn't born a Christian. Did you know that? He was born a, a, an enemy uh, of God, a wanderer from the fold of God, just like all of us. But he was a really good guy before he met Christ. He was a really good guy. Now, some might, might question that statement because part of what he did, um, he killed Christians. But he thought he was being a really good guy by doing that. He, in fact, thought he was serving God by doing that because he was being such a good leader of the Jewish people. And he saw, he saw this, this false Messiah, Jesus, from Nazareth, he, he saw him as a great threat to his people. And so he thought he was serving God by persecuting them and even killing them. In fact, when, when Stephen was stoned, one of the early, one of the early martyrs of, of Christianity, when he was stoned outside Jerusalem, it was Saul, who later became the Apostle Paul, that was kind of overseeing that whole stoning. That was, that was one of his events that he planned. That he put together. He, he, was, he was proud to be a part of, of killing that man. Who was, who was what he thought doing so much harm uh, to the Jewish nation. Well look at Paul's testimony as he describes himself in, in Philippians chapter 3. He says this. If anyone else, this is, uh, excuse me, in, in uh, verse 4. If anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh. In other words, if anybody thinks they... They're good enough just by being a good guy. He said, I have more. And then he, then he bragged on his awesome Jewishness. He said, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. 
I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Did you hear that? Do you know how the Apostle Paul knew that he was forgiven, how he knew he had a place in God's eternal glory? Because he wasn't counting on his own righteousness. He wasn't counting on how good of a person he was. He was counting on what Jesus Christ had done for him. That's why he was going to be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. And he was praying that the... the, They got me again. He was praying that the Thessalonians would also continue in their trust in Jesus Christ. He goes on to say this about himself. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. And listen to verse 16. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Listen to that again. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. That is what Paul's talking about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We are already counted worthy by our faith. We've attained glory. We've attained that by putting our trust in Jesus. The moment any of us said yes to Jesus Christ, as we were singing in the first song this morning, The moment any of us said yes to Jesus Christ, in other words, saying, yes, I believe in you, Jesus. I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you lived a sinless life. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you rose again on the third day. I believe that you're coming back. Even though you ascended to heaven, I believe you're coming back, just as your word says. And I believe you're going to take me to glory. Those of us who who said that, not in those exact words, but, but believe those things, about the Lord Jesus Christ. We are worthy of our calling, the calling of God. Because we're not counting on ourselves. We're counting on him. So now, when he says he's praying for the Thessalonians to be counted worthy of his calling... He's saying very, very much the same thing that he was saying here in, in Philippians 3.16. Only now let us live up to that which we've already attained. You are this person in Christ. You are this believer. You are this holy one. You are this righteous person. It makes you uncomfortable me calling you those things, doesn't it? Because you don't feel worthy of those great titles. You're not worthy. But in Christ, it's true. It's who you are. And now that we are these things, now that we are holy, now that we are righteous, let's live that way. 
Let's live up to what we've already attained. Not so that we can attain it. We've already attained it. Jesus did that for us. But now he's praying so that this is no small thing to him. He doesn't think they can do this on their own or or he wouldn't be praying. He's praying that Almighty God would do this work in their lives that would cause them to desire to live like the people they are. Live like the righteous, holy, loving, faithful people that we are. That's his prayer for the Thessalonians. Again, not so that they'll earn it, but so they'll live up to what God has done for them in Christ. That's that's what he would be praying for us. And so, taking his lead, that's what I'm praying for you. That we would live up to what God has done for us. That we would that we would be considered worthy of his calling, not just in what Christ has done for us, all that's it, period. But by our own experience, we would live out the life of Christ that he has given us, that he has made for us. Remember what what the Apostle Paul told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made him who knew no sin, speaking of Jesus on the cross, He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. That's us. By faith in Jesus, we become the righteousness of God. And here in 2 Thessalonians 1.11, he's saying, now live that way. You are righteous. Now live that way. Let this be a picture, the the life of Jesus Christ, let it be a picture for you to live by, an example to follow. Not that if you get it right, that you're going to make it. That's not what it's about. We make it through Jesus Christ, period. But now that we know him, let's live that way. That's why we spend the time that we do looking in the word of God. We don't do it, although I've been guilty of it, we don't look in the word of God to keep the devil away. You know the expression. A chapter a day keeps the devil away. That's wrong. Now, it won't hurt you. A chapter a day will not hurt you. I promise you that. But it's not voodoo. Okay? We look into the word of God because we want to live up to the calling that God has placed in our lives the moment we put our trust in Jesus Christ. When he made us righteous, when he made us holy, when he gave us all the promises of God, all the promises of Jesus, when he said they're all yes in him, now we have the opportunity to live the rest of our lives, however long those lives are, even to, our, to the very moment of our death, whenever that is, we get to do all of it for the glory of God. And we find out how to do that by looking into his word. That's why we search the scriptures daily. Not for some good luck charm. 
We search the scriptures daily because we want to live like the people that we are for the glory of God. Because as we live for the glory of God, he is glorified in us and he also multiplies his glory into the lives of others. There's that multiplication process that takes place when a person who is righteous in Christ lives that way. Because when a person who is righteous in Christ and and lives that way, that person then is shining his light or her light for others to see. And others, when they see a believer in Jesus Christ shining their light, they will want to know what's going on. Now, not every one of them. Not everyone that sees you doing uh, doing the, the work of Christ in your life. Not everyone who sees you doing the will of God in your life. Not everyone who sees the decisions that you make and the activities that you're a part of and the things that you aren't part of. And, and all those things. They're not all going to ask questions. But those many of those who know you and see you living your life for Jesus Christ, who see you living out the righteousness that he's made you in Christ, they're going to say, what's up with you? Why do you do that? Why do you do that? And we get to tell them. We get to give them, as, P- as Peter said, we get to give them a reason for the hope that we have in Christ. We get to tell them about how, what God has done for us, how he's forgiven us of our sins, how he's given us the promise, the guarantee of eternal life. We can tell them that we believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are going to spend eternity with God. And they're going to say, that is weird. How can you know something like that? How do you know you're going to be good enough? Because we know we're not good enough. And Jesus is. We get to tell them those things. And you know what what the word of God says? When people who are living up to what they've already attained, when they do that, other people see them. And other people will also bring glory to God on the day that he returns. Instead of facing the judgment that they deserved, that we deserved, instead of facing that judgment, they're also going to be like us. who are going to be received unto him for an eternity in his glory. That's what happens when people begin to live up to what they've already attained in Christ. God is glorified in us, and then even better than that, his glory is multiplied through us as others also begin to bring him glory because they also have put their trust in Christ. Having found out by just a regular old person like us. There are no more apostles. Oh, there are some that are saying they are, but don't pay any attention to those guys. The apostles that Jesus called and sent and, and wrote what they wrote, they are the authority by which we make our decisions and by which we form our beliefs. And so, as we share that good news of how we came to know Christ, of how we are sure of our forgiveness, not because we're good enough, but because he's good enough, and because we're sure of our eternal life, again, not because we deserve it, but because he deserves it, and he's given it to us as his gift to us by his grace, they also will put their trust in Christ and stop trying to deserve it themselves, stop trying to earn it themselves, and to put their trust and to rest in him. Again, to rest not means doesn't mean never to do anything else. We see that's exactly the opposite of what the Apostle Paul is praying for the Thessalonians. 
He wants them to live up to that rest that they have. He wants them to live up to that position that they have in Christ. He wants them to be counted worthy of God's calling in their lives. To live like who we are in Jesus Christ. And the results will be and are phenomenal. In our own lives, because we're all going to have our moment when we're going to be held accountable for the the way that we've lived our lives. And it's an amazing system that God has worked up. It just shows you how much he loves us. He's going to reward us for living up to the calling that we've received in Christ. We don't know know all about what his rewards are and, and all those kind of things, but imagine how great those rewards must be. Just think of, think of the efforts that you put in in your lives to reward those people that you love. And sometimes you hit it right and you do, and you do, you do a really good one. It's really appreciated. But even if, it's, you know, even if it doesn't turn out perfect, it just means something to us to try to, to, try to reward those that we love. Imagine what it's going to be like when God rewards us for living up to his calling in our lives. Imagine what that's going to be like. And he wants us to keep those things in our minds as we move through this life, remembering that the stuff and the things of this world are very temporary, but there's a way to use this world that that will have an impact on eternity. Our eternity and the eternity of others. And all of that points to one thing, our position, our opportunity to bring glory to God both now and forevermore. Us, the sinful people that we are, we get to look forward to a life and an eternity of giving him the glory that he deserves because of what he's done for us in Christ. That's what makes us different That's what makes us unique. That's what makes us the children of God. Because we've put our trust in Jesus Christ. And everything that we believe goes back to that confidence that he will do what he said. And so as the Apostle Paul prayed for the Thessalonians, let's pray for each other that we would also be counted worthy of God's high calling in our lives, living up to that which we've already attained through faith in Jesus Christ. Again, not falling into or back into some kind of legalistic structure. I got to do this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and then God's going to be happy with me. No, we got to do one thing, and then God's going to be happy with me. Believe in Jesus. Always rest on that. Always go back to that foundation. Everything else that we do from that point on, and we'll go through some of those things as we go through the rest of this chapter. Everything rests on our trust in Jesus Christ. We are not adding to that. But when we live up to what he's called us to, then we have that opportunity to to shine for his glory and to help others see that as their calling as well. Let's bow together for prayer. Heavenly Father.
we want to thank you this morning for the security that we have in your son, our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who died for us, the one who rose again victorious over death, the one who ascended to your right hand and who sends to us your Holy Spirit to give us the power and the will to live this life for your glory, to live up to what we've attained in Christ, to be counted worthy of your high calling. And so we thank you for the ministry. We thank you for the person of our Savior, Jesus. And we pray for those who haven't yet received him, haven't yet said yes to him. They're still hanging on to something else, and we pray that you would help them to let that go. Help them to realize that it is only Jesus Christ, your Son, who can forgive them of their sins, who can give them the gift of eternal life, who can give them the Holy Spirit to live life for your glory. Help them today to trust in him. And Father, for those of us who do, be glorified in us. Even now, as we share together in your supper, be glorified in us, obeying your word, taking this cup, taking this bread, and remembering that we are completely trusting in Jesus Christ, your son. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. At this time, uh, we're going to, um, again, obey the Lord's command to share together in his supper. He, Jesus, before he died, met together with his disciples and broke the bread And as he was breaking the bread that night, he said something different. He said, this is my body broken for you. Remember me whenever you eat of it. And we're going to do that this morning. Um, Every every pod of chairs has a blue chair at the end of it with a tray of of, uh, elements, the bread and the cup. And if somebody in your pod would take that tray or carefully hand out the elements... We're first going to take the bread, and we're going to hold that bread for a moment. Katie's going to, going to play for a moment, and then we'll eat of the bread together, remembering what Jesus Christ has done for us, that our hope, that our trust is in him. And this celebration is for any of us who believe. It isn't just for members of Midway Committee Church, but any who believe in him are invited to share um, in that bread today, remembering the broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Katie? loves me. This I know. And we acknowledge that this morning. 
by taking this bread and remembering what Jesus did for us. We don't take this bread to earn our salvation. We don't take this bread so that our sins will be forgiven. We take this bread because our sins are forgiven. Because Jesus has earned our salvation. And we remember him as we eat of the bread. I'm going to pray, and then we'll eat of it together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the broken body of your Son, our perfect Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. As we eat of it together, we remember that his body was broken for us. Amen. Let's eat of it together. In the same way, the Lord Jesus took the cup that night and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant. Every time you drink it, remember me. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to hold that cup for a moment as Katie plays and we're going to remember what Jesus Christ has done for us with the shedding of his own blood. The only one who could do this the only Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the only one who could live up to all of those other sacrifices that were made. He's the only one whose death could mean something for us. And he shed his blood for us. We're going to remember him as we wait then and we'll drink of it together. ultimate picture of his faithfulness to us is his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. And he did it. So we'll pray and then we'll drink of the cup together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the shed blood of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Your great demonstration of your love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We remember him now as we drink of the cup together. In his strong name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's drink remembering Jesus shed blood. Praise God. After the 